Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. In the previous message, I happened to make reference to a leader of old, you could say. No, not millennia ago or anything like that, but simply back to the previous century, back into the 1960s, the glory days of the Kennedy-Johnson administration. None other than Nikita Khrushchev, who famously or infamously referred time and time and time again to the decadent West. The Western nations, particularly the United States of America, that he posited was in decay. Now this, of course, coming from being ruler in chief over this massive communist regime that was noteworthy for having been responsible for just a massive, horrendous, continuous bloodbath reign of terror waged against the people of Russia, of Ukraine, of Georgia, of the nations that then were enslaved by this mega-communist regime. But as frightful, as terrible, as horrendous, as that regime was, as enormous as the body count was. And again, not targeting people from without, (laughs) but people from within. Joseph Stalin, which of course was an assumed name, also referred to as Uncle Joe. (laughs) Uh, And I have... uh, adopted that for the current president of the United States of America, Joe Biden. But Uncle Joe waged this monstrous reign of terror against the people from where he was from, from whence he came. Extraordinary. But again, as terrible as this reign of terror was, as this body count was, which eclipsed Hitler's Nazi regime by a lot, (laughs) by millions and millions and millions. It was eclipsed by the communist regime of mainland China, red China, bloody red China. And yet, of course, we have these wonderful celebrities, Hollywood elites, for whom communist China 
and communist Soviet Union were the darlings. But anyway, dear old Nikita Khrushchev, who was overthrown, who was purged, not executed, just watched very carefully by the troika that displaced him. Headed up by uh, Leonid Brezhnev. But dear old Nikita was famous for another line, too. And, of course, many more. But, I mean, (laughs) the ones that stand out in my mind are this about the decadent West. You know, back when the United States of America was comparatively innocent comparatively wholesome, comparatively all-American. And he referred to the West and what his intentions, what the Soviet Union's intentions, plans, purposes, objective, goals were for the West, but particularly the crown jewel of the United States of America, we will bury you. We will bury you. And he'd slam his, take his shoe off and slam it down on the, <laughs> on the table at the UN and just, uh, just a fascinating fellow, really. Yes. Just one of many great ones there in the Soviet Union who was ardently, aggressively attacking what there was of Christianity in Russia and the other slave states. Waging war against Christianity by various means, including infiltrating taking power over, but terrorizing the church and Jewry. Wonderful chap. Oh, he was just an anomaly. (laughs) No, no. He was mild compared to Joseph Stalin. Mild compared to Lenin. Lenin, who insisted that They would only fail if they failed to murder enough people. If they failed to terrorize enough people. And yet, United States universities, United States graduate schools, British universities, British graduate schools, European universities and graduate schools, honor, pay obeisance to these outstanding, illustrious leaders. Yes. And, of course, not not to leave out Time magazine in their Man of the Year and so forth. I've mentioned at various times about a certain royal. 
He is not the head of the British royal family. And I don't keep tabs on what's happening, what's going on in a, with regard to the royals. You know, I don't follow them. I don't know what is the latest news other than, of course, the, the interview there by Oprah with, yes, Meghan Markle and her prince. But uh, <laughs> so I don't know what is the status currently as of today concerning Prince Philip. But he is, again, is not the head of the royal family. No, no, no. Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth II. But dear Prince Philip, Prince Philip, who has his heart in the right place, we know, <laughs> we know. Yes, and who is a great favorite, of course, of the likes of Prince Harry. But founding father of World Wildlife Fund. I have alluded previously to Prince Philip's announced desire from ages ago. This, is, this goes back, I don't know, a couple decades ago or more, that he stated that when he died, he wanted to come back, be reincarnated and come back as a killer virus to eliminate the majority of the world population in order to save the earth. Yes, this earth is near and dear to the heart of the World Wildlife Fund. And they're running various ads right now, and one that I've seen prominently put forth, it states, quote, Time's running out for our precious planet. Exclamation mark. Yes. Let me repeat that gem again, shall I? Time's running out for our precious planet. Not for the people of the world, but for the planet Earth. And you might say, well, but... As the planet goes, so go the people, right? So this, this is the right priority. But in point of fact, if you scratch the surface of it, it's something very different. It's a matter of worshiping the creation instead of the creator, hating the creator, <laughs> worshiping natural creation because of course it wasn't created by the genius of all time no it just happened by accident and happenstance and billions of years of time which make all things possible no matter how impossible right time is running out for our precious planet well you know there is a gem from advertising, I don't know who devised that, but it really is a gem. But there is a double entendre there. <laughs> this is like a pun in that time is running out. Time absolutely is running out. It's running out for the people of the world. Not because... The Earth's rotation is changing. 
or its revolutions <laughs> are diminishing in number or its proximity to the sun is increasing alarmingly or decreasing or because of some other heavenly spheres coming our way or anything like that. No. Time is running out because God Almighty set the boundaries of human habitation on this earth. Even as he set the boundaries of the oceans, so he set the boundaries of time. And we are at the end times. But there is another millennia plus to go. When I say plus, it's not a big plus. I'm not talking about multiple millennia. I mean a millennia plus a few years to several years. The millennia will occur after (laughs) this few years or several years. But time's running out. Yes. It's running out because of, again, God set these boundaries, but also, oh so importantly, because of the rebellion of mankind against God. Shockingly enough. Yes. Now, One line or two lines that I have, I mean, there's so many, but that I've heard repeated over and over and over again in popular media go like this. Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And there's a connotation to that. There is the underlying premise that therefore everything is good, (laughs) not evil. It's just everything is good. Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a good reason. Not God's reasons, but for a good reason. Even though the Lord Jesus said none is good but God. But then another line that dovetails with that is everything happens the way that it should. Everything works out the way that it should. This is just pounded away at it. It is just repeated endlessly via media, the likes of Crown Media, so-called family networks, otherwise known as Hallmark Channel and Hallmark Movies and Mysteries and so forth, but also throughout the wide, wonderful world of media. These are just things, lines, that are repeated endlessly, ad nauseum, for a specific purpose. It is softcore indoctrination. What is hardcore indoctrination? How about... Hitler's Nazi propaganda, originally fashioned by him, 
He was the grand poobah of it. But the propaganda duties were taken over, of course, by Joseph or Joseph Goebbels. Propaganda that the Jews were subhuman, non-human. Just a vicious campaign of dehumanization of the Jews. Blaming the Jews for every problem that Germany had. Vilifying them, demonizing them. And then this was just the run-up to legalizing the destruction of them. That's one example of what you might call hardcore propaganda. Something that is the specialty of every communist regime there has ever been. The Soviet Union, Communist China, North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, the Khmer Rouge, Vietnam with dear Nobel Prize, Peace Prize winning Ho Chi Minh. But mean, but another line that is very frequently stated is it's never too late. Of course, that rather conflicts with time's running out, you know. (laughs) Time's running out, but it's never too late. It's kind of... These are at polar extremes, juxtaposed against one another. Something else that is oft repeated is that we can do anything. Together, we can do anything. Right? Together, we can do anything. We can accomplish anything together. (laughs) The flip side Something very different from that was something Jesus said that was, with God, nothing is impossible. But man says, together we can do anything. You can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. And we can. Our nation can. Oh, you don't want that nationalism. Let's have it be the world. The world can. Well, as we roll into the very, very, very last years prior to the return of the Lord and his millennial reign, prior to that, We have this small, limited period of time between now and then. And at the risk of being negative, positively negative, let me say this. That as the times have worsened 
and darkened precipitously so they will continue to right up until Christ's return, ushering in his return. But (laughs) these are things I talk about in my other programs, (laughs) which are not this News Talk program. But these times are incredibly dark right now. Now, of course, we have all manner of illustrious types, great leaders who will insist that it is a very different matter. That yes, these are trying times, but they, through their democratic despotism and tyranny, <laughs> it's, it's going to work out. Yes, together we can do anything, including enslaving the entire world, (laughs) using this outbreak of pestilence as an excuse to enslave all of the peoples of the world under one worldwide regime. Oh, Brad, that will never happen. That's ridiculous. That's alarmist. That's, you know... Little, a little bit on the order of the sky is falling. But it's absolutely true. Chicken Little had it right. Oh, you're being like Joe Blitzpick or something. Well, it is absolutely the case. Have you ever watched a particular professional sport or amateur sport in which one team is able to control the play of the game, to keep it in the opponent's territory. Now, in sports like football or basketball, or, of course, baseball. You don't see this because football, there is a kickoff after every touchdown. Talking about American football, which, of course, is played here and there around the globe a few games per year. But as far as the NFL, National Football League, that wonderful engine of indoctrination of promoting the sodomite agenda and what have you. But in football, in basketball, where after each score, then the other team gets a go at it to come down (laughs) into the opponent's territory. Yes, the ball may be stolen, stripped away, whatever, but again, it changes sides. In baseball, of course, after three outs, they change places from being at bat to being in the field. But in ice hockey, one team absolutely can dominate the play in such a way that it seems like the action is confined to one end of the ice. (laughs) 
for the whole game. Now, it will change by period, from period one to period two to period three, where they change ends. But you absolutely can see that in games where one team really dominates the other. You can see that in soccer, in the World Cup, and what have you, where one team manages to dominate in such a way that it just seems like the play is, it's almost all of the action is in one end, one end of the field for the majority of the contest. What does that have to do with anything? Well, just this. That's where we are. That's where we've been now for decades. All of the action has been in one end of the playing field. That wonderful, freedom-loving, permissive, tolerant party, the Democrat Party, has dominated the field for decades. Oh, yes, I know the presidents have changed, you know, one party than the other, so forth. But they have dominated. Even when the Republicans have had majority in the U.S. Senate or majority in Congress, the Democrats have dominated the reality of what's going on. When there has been a change over to the Republicans, The best that the Republicans have managed to do is to try to incrementally roll back the massive advances of the left. And then when the left are back in control, they just charge forward again. And that's what's going on right now here in the United States of America. Why does that matter? You know, I mean, really, why does it matter? For people in Britain, for people in Ireland, for people in Europe, from Scandinavia down to Greece, from France, to Ukraine, why does it matter? Just this. That the United States of America, even though Nikita Khrushchev was no prophet of God, he was an absolute enemy of God, enemy of Christ, enemy of the Christian church, enemy of Jewry, he's still made statements that have proven to be true with regard to what you might refer to as the lay of the land here in the United States of America. Now, the communist regime of the Soviet Union has not buried the United States or the West. But the left has. 
socialism has. The world planners behind the scenes have buried us. Before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks only to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, unworthy, that is due to me. That is on me. That is my fault. So why do we have government? Really? You know, I mean, just to distill it to its essence, why? At the foundational level, why do we have governments? Why do we have countries, nations? Why? The whole justification for government, for people submitting to worldly authority, the entire justification for that. Is for protection from evil, protection from destruction. Oh no, Brad, you're wrong. It really it's about prosperity, too. It's about peace from evil, from violence, from invasion. From roving terror. So that. Peaceful people can pursue their lives freely. And as a. Ancillary benefit that they can prosper. To use the words that the men referred to as being the founding fathers of the United States of America, so-called, that they segued over to courtesy of Thomas Jefferson. The pursuit of happiness. You know, initially... It was life, liberty, and property. Those were the cornerstones. Life, liberty, and property. Life, protection from destruction, protection from evil, protection from wanton violence and monstrous evil destruction. Liberty, freedom, freedom to live, to breathe, to work, to do, to love, to marry, to have family, to beget children, to bear children, 
to conceive children, to carry children, to bear children, meaning babies, to raise them, to found families, to have businesses, whether those businesses were farms, family farms, ranches, mercantile businesses, and all manner of enterprise, property, land, freedom to own your own property, your own land, your own house, make it a home. But of course, the poetic, intellectual Thomas Jefferson changed that to the nebulous, ephemeral pursuit of happiness. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with the pursuit of happiness, really? Well, any number of things, but one is this. Again, it does not carry the weight of property, something that communism is absolutely, totally dedicated to stripping from people. Socialism is dedicated to stripping from people. Therefore, it really is vitally important for property to be regarded as an unassailable cornerstone along with liberty, and most importantly, life. But they are bound together. Instead of this artsy, poetic pursuit of happiness, which safeguards nothing. What else is wrong with it? Just this. One man's pursuit of happiness is not necessarily that of another man. Well, of course not. We all want different things. No, but we're told we all want the same thing. We all want peace and prosperity. No evil regime that has ever existed on the face of the earth has wanted peace and prosperity. They have wanted domination, enslavement, hegemony, destruction of all whom they view as enemies, of all who they view as competition, of all whom they view as being in the way of them achieving their evil end. Serial murderer's pursuit of happiness involves the destruction, the monstrous, satanic, sadistic destruction of the good. The evil hate the good and seek to destroy them, says God's word. So there is something inherently wrong with that floral, poetic, 
an extremely significant change. Wrought by Thomas Jefferson. Our laws were based on a number of things, good and bad, based on God's word, God's law, but also based on Grecian and Roman ideas and concepts and British, which were an amalgamation, but... What does it all matter, (laughs) finally? Really, I mean, what does it all matter? Well, coming back to this matter of the pursuit of happiness, that wonderful expression, what's in a name, what's in a word, what's in an expression, really? Well, indoctrination and propaganda depend pivotally upon perversion of corruption of subversion of perversion of language. Islam's God, Allah, is like Joseph Stalin, an assumed name, a pseudonym. Really, but for whom? For Satan. And most people, regardless how knowledgeable they are (laughs) about the Bible, how ignorant they are about the Bible, they still have less than good feelings when they hear Satan mentioned. But Allah, oh, it is a religion of peace that does such monstrous evil to women in so many ways. (laughs) But if we go back to pre-Nazi Germany, we find remarkable similarity with Times of today. No, not a matter of the technological revolution. No, not that. Even though Germany, of course, made enormous strides technologically for its time. But not that. Instead, we find decadence. We find Jews who, so many of them were Jews in name only and not really worshiping God, even if they went to synagogue and this, that, and the other. We find that with the rabbis. The Christian church was weak. But the materialism and the decadence and the worship of false gods that was becoming prevalent 
Yes, there was the poverty. The poverty resulting from World War I and so very heavily from the reparations courtesy of (laughs) the victors who levied the entire cost of World War I upon Germany. But we find great similarity. And as you go on through those years up to Hitler's Nazi overthrow of Germany, more similarity to what is going on in the United States of America of today and throughout the West. The despotic, tyrannical government, seizure of power, unconstitutional powers, stripping the people of having any ability to protect themselves, defend themselves, not only from violent criminals, but most importantly, from despotic, tyrannical, violent, satanic regimes. We find the same thing with regard to Russia morphing into a slave state and gobbling up all of Eastern Europe. And all of these countries, all of these lands subjugated by Islam. But one case in point that is something that uh, just occurred, even though these cases, they take ages (laughs) normally, unless they are really fast-tracked, talking about court cases, one that took place at the end of March was a decision by the illustrious Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals out in San Francisco. And this decision was a split decision, but it ruled by an in-bank panel, not just a few judges, but the Ninth Circuit Court. That, quote, there is no right to carry arms openly in public, nor is any such right within the scope of the Second Amendment, end quote. Even though, of course, the Second Amendment says that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. But the majority opinion went on to state, quote, we can find no general right to carry arms into the public square for self-defense. 
Then quote. These extreme leftists, they declared that the Second Amendment only applied to defense of hearth and home, meaning only pertained to defense against home invasion. Fascinating. Creative decision-making. <laughs> and the power of the government to regulate carrying arms in the public square does not infringe in any way on the right of an individual to defend his home or his business. But there's a problem there, you know, apart from the obvious revisionism, rewriting, of the Constitution by a court. Because, of course, who better to interpret the Constitution, except, of course, for the U.S. Supreme Court? What is the importance? What is the offshoot of this? It is that. This is not some academic exercise. It is something that will be used as the basis, as the foundation to enable the seizure of firearms from people. Not only (laughs) to prevent them from being able to attempt to defend themselves, their families, their loved ones, and strangers who are endangered outside of their homes and businesses where most violent crime occurs. But (laughs) to go beyond that, to expand on that, and to eliminate firearms, as has been done, of course, in the enlightened UK, United Kingdom, Great Britain, Australia, and so forth. Something to look forward to. But again, what is coming about? What is happening ultimately? Are are these just little bitty incremental changes that really do not impact our lives? Life goes on. How many times do we hear that life goes on? Death goes on. Violence goes on. Murder is up. Gang murder is up. Oh, yes, the left, they make it out that, of course, it is being committed by whites against blacks. That's racist. And so on and so forth. Oh, there is some racism. 
But <laughs> so very much of it is not white versus black. But what is coming? Hmm. Imagine a time when what is going on in the United States of America of today and yesterday and last year and last decade and the decade before that and the decade before that was unthinkable and unimaginable. The slaughter of a million and a half babies per year within the sanctity of their mother's wombs, carried out by medical professionals who used to be required to take an oath to do no harm. What about these unbelievable, satanic evils being committed against children now? To radically castrate little boys, to turn them into pseudo-girls, to maim and mutilate little girls and turn them into pseudo-boys. It is madness of such a magnitude that it is unimaginable in the land of the free and home of the brave, in the United States of America, courtesy of federal funding. And where does that federal funding come from? From taxpayers who are diametrically opposed to these evils. You might call that, you know, taxation without representation, but... Can these things go on this way indefinitely with no consequences for the nation as a whole? I rather doubt it. But finishing up with, (laughs) ending on this note in God's word, back to the book of Jeremiah, the prophet priest. And he stated that. Pass over the isles of Chittim and see and send unto Kedar and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid, be very desolate saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And he's saying that the people, his people, the people of God, had rebelled against him, had refused him, rejected the true God, and had embraced false gods, evil gods, and were committing monstrous evil, not only against God, but against man. 
Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. Yet I had planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then art thou turned into the degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? And so it is. In this land of the free, home of the brave, this glorious bastion of freedom, which has become a bastion of freedom to do evil with license, with impunity, state-sponsored, not state-sponsored racism against blacks, state Sponsored violence against babies, against children, little children. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.